Welcome to Email and Beyond, the podcast bringing you the latest email marketing and other complimentary marketing channel tips, tricks, industry chat, brand insights, and more every two weeks. Join me, Richard Wall, Marketing Campaign Manager at Spotler, and Kate Barrett, Founder and CEO of eFocus Marketing, as we talk you through the good, the bad, and the ugly of marketing, and how you can create a more intelligent strategy that gets results. Hello and welcome to Email and Beyond, where we dig into the good, the bad and the ugly of email marketing. And today we've got a great topic. It's something that has been all the discussion topics in 2023 and we wanted to bring you some of our thoughts all around AI and how you can use it to really supercharge your email marketing and take your campaigns to the next level. So Rich... Let's let's start with the, the platforms that we're talking about. What platform or platforms are you using when it comes to AI in your marketing campaigns? So I'm still really early on the journey. I know about a lot. ChatGPT is the only one I've actually used. I haven't even made the step to Bard yet, which, depending on who you ask, is either amazing or awful, somewhere in between. Same with all of probably. them. <laughs> well, it depends what you're using it for. They're trained on different data sets, yeah. I guess. And um. I found it quite easy because, and I'm sure we'll talk in future episodes, or we have talked in future episodes, depending on which episode this is in the order, um, about the value of visual-based emails and visual content rather than text-based. But for now, a lot of the stuff I do is still text-based. So a text-based editor does all the stuff that I need. And I've seen great outputs from Midjourney is the other one that people talk about a lot for um, image creating. Uh, there's another one, like Desier or something. Okay. I can't, can't remember the name for it or topic. I'll try and put a link in the show notes if I think of it in time. But I used because it was, I mean, it was the first. It's basic. It's really straightforward. It's literally a chat box. You put in what you want and off it goes. And it starts um, starts doing stuff. I mean, is, is that the same for you or are you more advanced on the journey than me? No, no. I th- I'm still at the starting point of the journey. ChatGPT is what I've been using. And I think what you just said there about put in those instructions of what you want and then off it goes. And for me, that has been the real kicker in playing around with AI and getting specific about what it is that you want to do, not just what you want it to do, but how you want it to do it. And I think this is where AI is not going to take over our role as marketers. We need those marketers with the understanding behind the instruction and to give context to the instruction yes. as to what you want. Because I don't know, any of you guys who've played around with ChatGPT or any other AI platforms, I don't know about you, but the first thing I did was a very simple kind of one sentence, yeah. write me a blog on this, and you just get a load of awful, generic stuff back. So for me, the real learning so far, just at those beginning stages of playing around, has really been get specific about what you want. Who is the blog being written for? Who is the email being written for? Who is the section of your email being written for? What type of technique do you want it to use when coming up with subject line examples? So it, you've got to get specific. You've got to feed in that brand tone, that brand voice. Otherwise, it just comes out with a whole load of generic stuff. And certainly from my side, you can't rely on it at the moment. And again, maybe with the paid versions and the more up-to-date versions. 
But a lot of the information being fed through is a good few years old now, particularly if you're looking for statistics to add, you know, if you're B2B like you, and you want to say, okay, give me some statistics about the power of email marketing personalization, it's not going to cut it. It's just not going to bring you up-to-date statistics. It's not going to be able to source those statistics for you. That's something I've kind of played around with it a little bit. So I think from my side, starting with ChatGPT, but learning a lot along the way. Yeah, so I, I was exactly the same. I think my first prompt was it was um, write an email telling people to come to an event about email marketing. And yeah, it did that, but it, was, it wasn't it was how I would say it. It wasn't how anyone I've ever worked with here at Spotlight would say it. Yeah. It's probably not how many humans would say it. And actually, I got to the point where, and this is one of the things I find weird is that people say, oh, chat TPT is a waste of time. You spend so long writing the prompt that you're better off just writing an email. But... That's to misunderstand the scale, I think. But if it could, if you can, if you could put three hours, say you put three hours into crafting the perfect prompt for a cart abandon email or a podcast subscription email, as, as we may well do, we'll probably try a few micro-DPT version. We'll do one of each and see what see which one works. Um, but if you put that in and it spits out something that regularly converts twenty percent more visitors a month, how quickly is that three hours paid off? How much money compared to? What it costs you in you know your your business hours, whether you're charging as an agency or as an employee of a business, there are costs to your time. I mean, from, from the way that I work as a team member of Spotlight, it's a little bit harder to quantify. In your case, as an agency, it's very much Absolutely. built into the structure. Yeah. But there is um, there's a there's a financial cost of your time, so you have to compare that against what it can do. And you know I've I've already got. I mean, it's been months I've been playing with it and I've already got to the point where the prompts I write are longer than the emails but I say okay give me five emails that I've tried it and I think it can pull from URLs uh, in some cases yeah. yeah some documents it can some it can't some URLs yeah. it can some it can't I, I've had a bit of mixed experience yeah. with that so yeah. I think I had one I think it was a, a spot of webinar I was presenting I said oh take take the book keyboard points from this URL and give me five emails that explain to a hands-on marketing manager who needs to save time on producing regular email campaigns with a long life cycle, why they should come to this event and the value they're going to get out of it. Now that's a that's longer than the three-line email I would like it all to be put out, but it was a process of trial and error. It was you know, pitch to a marketing manager. Okay, that's why I bought a hands-on marketing manager. Getting better. A hands-on marketing manager who wants to save time on lead generation. Now we're getting to the key point. So it is. It's an investment, and actually, I'm going to pick up on something we said that I don't know if we noticed we said, we're playing with ChatGTP, and I don't, that's not really fair, is it? It's investing time in it, it's a tool, the same as Photoshop is a tool, the same as Canva is a tool, the same as Zoom is a tool, like these, you know, yes, it, you're front-loading the effort to learn it, but you do better things as a result of it, and also the more intensive, I'm, I'm sh- I think one of the concerns or benefits is that what's ChatGPT and we're doing with the data that you give it. When you type that prompt in, yeah. is OpenAI getting that data? And I, I think I'd rather they were. Yeah. Because, because if it's learning the kinds of things that people ask for, that makes it a better tool. If you don't give it any data, that's saying, you know, that's giving someone a blank map and saying, get from here to Tehran. Yeah. Not going to work. <laughs> if you can take the maps of, you know, flight routes and motorways and train lines or whatever, suddenly it's got a much better chance of actually doing it. And what we said for 
I talk about this quite a lot in the context of form fills, actually, is that the data exchange has to be worth it, that what you ask for for people to do the kinds of things we want them to do as a result of your emails, yeah. like they, you know, they know that by giving them, by giving you their email address, they're giving you a valuable bit of data. So the deal is you have to give them something of quality that's worth that data exchange. So if you're, if, if you're all these detailed page plus long prompts that you're giving to chat GCP are being gathered, stored, and making the product better, then, then everybody wins ultimately. Definitely, definitely. And I think the way that we can win as marketers is using this tool in two ways, right? So you either take it to take you from a blank piece of paper to give you a starting point, and then you edit it, make sure it's in your brand tone, you know, things like that. Or you take something you've already written and you say to ChatGPT or whatever platform, make this more succinct, make it more benefit driven, you know, adjust it in this way and get it to tighten up for you. I think that's a, a really clever way that we've been using it and I've seen clients using it as well is you can start from scratch or you can use it to adjust what you've got. But I think the key thing with either of those is either teaching it and it learning about you, and I guess this is the paid versions of those platforms as well, learning about you, learning about your brand, brand tone, context, you know, all of those types of things. And then there's also thinking about what you're putting into there to teach it. Because as humans, we all have unconscious biases, you know, <laughs> whether we like it or not, we do. And whatever is being fed into these platforms is being fed in with unconscious bias. So we have to be careful of what's coming out. We have to review it. We have to make sure that it is right for our businesses and how we want to, to be portrayed. And I think just don't trust everything that comes out. It, it is just that review process, whether you use it from blank piece of paper to take you to something or reviewing what you've already done. Trust yourselves and trust what you know because context and biases and it changes every minute with humans you know there's always something else we're evolving we're taking our society through a massive amount of changes and certainly over the last five ten years I mean we've seen that massively with what is considered right wrong acceptable not acceptable yes. AI doesn't know this yet and it's not going to be able I mean I'm not a data scientist or anything but certainly at the moment it's not going to be able to dig through those because what is the right answer? What is the wrong answer? You ask one person, you ask another person, you get different sure. things. So AI is not going to know that. So I think you've got to look at what you're feeding into it and what you're teaching it, but always remember as the marketer, you are responsible for that content before it goes out. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, much? yeah. One of the tests I did, I was like, yeah, blank page syndrome, great use for it. You just sit there and go, oh, I don't know what to write for this blog I've written about this topic, I need a new angle. Yes. You say, what are the three different ways I could talk about the impact of X going behind a paywall, which I don't know how to remember that might do for everybody. And I think we should definitely dive into that as a, an ancillary as another episode at definitely. some point, whether that would be a good thing. I had um, had a guest on a webinar, I said, actually, that'd be a good thing because it will chase off a lot of people that use it to drag the platform through the mud. But that's um, about, but one of the things I tested. And yeah, coming up with the basis of ideas, I asked it to design a couple of split tests for me. And what it spat out was actually a multivariate test. That might be picky, 
But with the size of data sets that we're leading, especially on the B2B side of the business where I spend most of my time, we don't have a big enough data set for multivariate testing to give you a definitive answer. And what I mean by that is it had suggested variation A, it gave me a subject line, a body, and a CTA. Variation B, it gave me a different thing for all three of those. So I'm not going to know which change drove increased click-through, decreased click-through, more unsubscribes, more sales, whatever the, the goal of the thing is. Um, so yeah, there's a, it's very much um, a tool that you use. If you let it replace you, then you're doing a disservice to, a, to yourself and your, your built-in skills, but to your company as well. Because as we say, it's, it's still learning what all these things mean. Um, one of the things I think about that we, when I was playing with it, and it wasn't, it was, it spits out exactly what you tell it or what you ask it for. And the thing to is my eldest son. A couple of years ago, we were sitting down there, sitting, sitting at the table after school. He's eating, eating bolognese, whatever, or something that he, yeah, he'll eat it, but it's not his favourite. And he's kind of pushing it around the plate, going, oh, Dad, I'm really bored, can I go and play? And I said, okay, just one more spoonful, then off you go. And he looked down at his place at the table, and I haven't got a spoon, I've only got a fork. Yeah, I told him to do something he couldn't do with the tools in front of him. I know what I meant, but he was missing that context. And I think we've got to think of chat ETP in the same way. It knows a lot of fact, like he knows the word spoon, he knows the word fork, but the fact that they're interchangeable when you're talking about mouthful servings portions of a meal, that's the thing that's missing and that, as I say, I'm, I'm not a computer scientist either. I don't know if <laughs> it's possible for AI to understand that they're interchangeable because they're not always. Yeah. You know, if it's a if it's a general AI, which you know is it for everything, say, so, oh, if you come for a spoon in the road, take the left one. Something it works. No. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <a> <laughs> right. I just thought of that. Spoon. Spoon in the road. <laughs> yeah. so, there's things where the words are interchangeable in some contexts but not others, and maybe ChatGPT will know that in. Five years, ten years, two months, yeah. whatever it is. But for now, I don't think it does. No, no, I totally agree. Email and Beyond is an eFocus Marketing and Spotler production. eFocus Marketing are a specialist email marketing agency based in the UK and serving customers around the world. We help brands use email more intelligently to engage your audience through our range of consultancy, management, and training services. To find out more about how eFocus can help you supercharge your email marketing, visit e-focusmarketing.com forward slash email and beyond. So if we now, you know, we've kind of gone the, the good, the bad and the ugly there, haven't we, <laughs> yeah, of, of AI absolutely. and potential of what it could do. But if we go tactical with it then, so you mentioned about A-B split testing. Mm -hmm. So how have you been using it with Spotler and the work that you've been doing to create emails? to generate those that aren't random variations you know how are you using it strategically to get good testing variations and what does a good testing variation look like for you a good testing variation is simple well it's like there's one element that changes so the kind of split test we've done with on our own is having uh, emojis in a subject line but when you have emojis or not the text is the same so we'll use a different text, then you're into multivariate testing, and again, you don't know what would have changed the made the difference. Exactly. I suppose you could use it's good, quite good for synonyms. I I like to think I know quite a lot of words, but there's probably a load that I don't. Yeah. So if you said, oh, you know, give me seven different ways to say split test, because you couldn't, you know, you know, 
He said AB split test. I'd say AB test or split test, but they mean the same thing. Yeah. Some people will call them sun, and then that's it, multivariate testing. Not a word you necessarily come across that often unless you're doing yeah. the email in day in, day out. And the whole point of this podcast is to reach a bit beyond that. People who are doing email marketing, but they're also doing running events, they're also creating stuff, they're also SMS, SMS WhatsApp, yeah. Yeah, The the number of channels we have to cover is just growing day by day by day. So we'll probably never run out of material to talk about. We'll be here to the end of time. Um, I've lost the turn of exactly where I was going. (laughs) Practical uses for it. Split test. So I said to you, what are are elements of a subject line like a split test? Because you start thinking about, okay, well, the word order can be important, capitalization or Bionic reading is one that I came across where you capitalize, you bold the first syllable of each word, and apparently it makes it quicker to read. Oh, okay, yeah, so, where you kind of your brain is skipping the end words, but it's picking yeah, it up from the beginning. I, I think there's something. There's a thing about road signs where they tried to do road signs in all capital because they thought they'd get easier to read, okay. but they discovered actually the human brain reads the shape of the word, not the letters. Oh. I assume bionic reading is going on a similar thing. Yeah. I love this with psychology. We're going to have to pick that up on a separate episode oh, as well. We need to get Katie Hart in here. So okay. She'll be talking of, of me. So, um, yeah, she's done a lot of stuff for us. If you're a Spotlight customer, you know her from customer conference, from webinars, from seminars, all sorts of things we've done, from the experiments, which we're very proud of. So, yeah, there we go. Got an episode that we'll mark in there. One later. So, yeah, ask your question. I mean, see what it spits out. That's half the I know I said playing with it is the wrong word, but start playing with it and then start investing in it. See where what are the bits that you struggle with? That's the whole point of all these tools, that human brains can do almost anything. So we're quite good at almost everything, but machines are really good at one thing. Yeah. And if that is, you know, rephrase this so it's shorter, being succinct, I struggle with. I know I did essay-based subjects, I studied history at university, so a 12-page essay was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So being succinct, I, mean, I think I've seen some research from Microsoft that 10 words in a button is the ideal email length for um, for quick response, not always enough, but the brand building okay. side of things. But if you're going for... for and we're going to go B2B now, side there as well. Let's make a distinction there, I think, between B2B and B2C, yes, probably. Yes, I'll, I'll try and find out where the statistic was from and what yeah. data it was, but it's probably different. Yeah. Um, so yes, so, yeah, yeah, tactically, it's, it's linking to what you said there. So when you're trying to run a split test, tell it what the variation is that you want. So when I was testing this out last week, I was saying, okay, so from this control version, uh-huh. yes, okay. give me three variations of, we use subject line as an example for a minute, but give me three variations of this subject line from this control version that look at uh, fear of missing out, for example. You know, pick a psychological aspect, pick length of subject line, pick order that certain words are going in, you know, have it benefit-driven at the start of the subject line rather than at the end. But I found giving it that control version to begin with really helps to narrow it down. So again, the more information you can give it, that's really useful. And we should always be using a control in our split tests anyway. Um, but again, when you're a marketer and you're putting this into ChatGPT to give you different variations, you need to know what those variations are that you're looking for. So with strategic testing, you know, something that at eFocus Marketing we talk to our clients about all the time, is making sure you've got a really strong hypothesis. So we think that 
will happen yeah. <laughs> and generate this engagement and you get really specific on your KPIs because so we know what we're testing we know what it is that we expect the outcome to be what our KPIs are to show success and then why we're doing it so for example we think that subject lines under 35 characters will produce a higher open and click rate than longer subject lines over 35 characters really specific yeah, there sure. um, because 85% of our audience open a mobile device and that's where mobile devices commonly run. So just using a very simple example of subject line length, we know what we want to test, we know why we want to test it. Now if we fed that into ChatGPT, it's going to have a lot more information about what it is that we want it to come up with with those variations. And the trouble is, if you don't go strategic with your tests, whether you're using AI to help you generate different variations or not, you're not going to come out with something that is solid and strategic and gives you something you can learn from going forward. So for me, that's critical. Whether it's using AI or not, if you're doing testing, know what you want to test, why you want to test it, and what those KPIs are. Yeah, I definitely work with... And in marketing teams where you get so focused on the execution, but yeah, the, the step back of why do we want more people to come to our webinars? Do webinar attendees convert quicker? Do they convert more often? Are they worth more money when they do convert? Like, what do we, yeah, exactly. What is the, the reason that like, we're doing a thing, but what's the reason behind the metric? And that is still, this, and I'm, I'm not saying that as a criticism of any team that feels that personally, so we want to do it. We're so yeah. busy and, you know, ChatGPT is another tool alongside five billion social networks, so many different creative outlets, that it does take real focus to try and do them well and to learn a whole new thing when you've got established stuff that needs to happen and you're trying to build a layer on top of that, that is tricky. Yeah. And I think from the established stuff, you know, we've talked about testing there, and obviously subject line testing is you know, it's a great filler test around those bigger tests. But whether it's testing or whether it's just creating that email content for you, I think there are multiple areas that we can use AI in. So for me, subject lines obviously is, yeah. is a good first one and getting those variations or tightening them up, making them more succinct so that yes. people can get that information through. Um, but also when you're looking at your actual content, whether you're looking at your headlines, whether you're looking at the copy that then appears in your different modules, whether you're looking at product descriptions, for example, yes, not that. if you're looking at call to action buttons, and of course, you know, we're talking about email here as our kind of primary, but this then goes into, okay, we've got this email that's been written, create me five social media posts off the back of this. So again, giving the software, okay, here's your baseline, here's what we've approved to go for the email. Now write us five different social posts for LinkedIn. Now create us an image to go with it or, you know, whatever that might be. So I think we need to also look at, it can give us a starting point, but it can also then take us to the next stage and help us as marketeers, whether you're B2B or B2C, create that better copy that's going to go across channels so you've got that same message consistency going out across multiple touch points the way i think it one way i think it might help us and this is a, a bit of a moonshot so it might not pan out at all but i think what we discovered the whole way through this is that it should help us think because it thought to get the right output we need the input and I'm sure we've been in it. I've been in it in internal meetings, external meetings, 
stuff outside of work where you know say oh someone will be away an email and you'll send it off to sales director CMO whoever it is and they'll go oh I don't really like it can you rewrite it they know what they want from that email they haven't told you and we so if, if AI can help us do one thing maybe it can help us think about the context that we are missing and help us express it because you, maybe it's easy I mean, it, it's, like, it's like it's easier to I find it personally easier to express thoughts over like a, like a WhatsApp or a text than I do on a phone because you've got time to think about them. So maybe if you're training yourself to give that explicit context to chat DTV where you're just sitting there typing it out and you say, oh, no, that, actually, no, that's not what I meant. Let me take that back and before I hit enter or send whichever button they've made it at the moment, then you can, that, that, you can teach yourself to do that. And then next time you're in a meeting on a phone call, at the pub with a potential partner, or was it like you that you know you you you're in the habit of um, of expressing yourself really clearly and directly and yeah. saying what you mean? How many romance films are based on miscommunication? <laughs> you, know, yes. you can sit there and make a list of hundreds, probably of oh no, they said this, but it didn't mean that, and it's all funny, and that's what kicks off the whole drama, and it could have been avoided if you just said something different. <laughs> so, so me. Maybe if we take the, the, the biggest step back, AI can actually help us be better humans. 100%. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. AI can help us be better humans, better marketers, better humans, improve our communication. So I think especially, you know, since text messages and social media, society has kind of devolved a little bit, hasn't it, in terms of how our yeah. communication is and how we talk to each other. So anything that we can use to improve our skills, yeah. and do you know, it's, it's like with anything, isn't it? It's the mindset that you go into something with. If you're looking at an AI piece of software and you're going, it's going to do it all for me. It's just going to do it. I don't have to do my job anymore. Well, A, you're wrong. <laughs> because I think there does need to be context to it. There needs to be that human movement to what comes out the back and is the, the end result of it. But if we can use it to say in our mindset, okay, I'm going to use this to help me get better at explaining things, help me get better at breaking down my instructions. That's going to make us better marketers, better leaders in our business, better at communicating with our teams. It's all practice, isn't it? Whether it's written or whether it's spoken, it's that succinct understanding of getting those instructions across. So better marketers, better leaders, better humans. Love it. Let's wrap that up. That's a brilliant point to end it on. Right. That was Email and Beyond, the take on AI. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. See you soon. If you like this episode, please follow us on YouTube and subscribe through iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.